I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched two Mickey Mouse shorts, um, half hour shorts from 1983 and 1990, uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol and The Prince and the Pauper. Um, who wants to do a spoiler-free plot synopsis of A Christmas Carol? It's the, it's A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Carol. You know how you've seen, you have to have seen at some point an adaptation of The Christmas Carol? Um, it's that. But with Disney characters. Yes, Mickey Mouse is in there, Scrooge McDuck is obviously Scrooge, uh, Pretty much everyone's in there except Pluto, who no one loves Pluto. Aww. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's straightforward. The Prince and the Pauper is also based on something that exists, but a little less well-known. Um, who wants to do a spoiler-free plot synopsis of that? Um, I guess I will. Sure. I'll give it a try. Um, there is a very kind king that has that's very good to his people and reigns the land, but he gets very sick. And then his son, who is in training, it ends up that he is Mickey Mouse, or looks like Mickey Mouse, and Mickey is a peasant. And There's two Mickeys. There's two Mickeys. And so the peasant is friends with Goofy and Pluto, and they are just, everyone is starving because the captain of the guards is evil and has taken the opportunity with the king being sick to rob all the people of money, food, everything in the king's name. The prince, of course, does not know this, uh, but through happenstance, the captain of the guards, one of their... They're they're in town, they're stealing food, and Pluto starts Mom, chasing them. I love you, but you give way too many details. Just say that the prince has switched. <laughs> like, okay. You don't have to explain how it <laughs> okay. happens. Okay, so the prince has switched... And then, of course, the prince discovers that the captain of the guard is doing all these things. And, yeah. Sure. Where yeah. do we... Where I, do, I don't know where we want to wrap a, it up. It's a, it's a story where a prince and a pauper who look the same, like, switch places and then try to live each other's lives because they both envy each other's lives to one extent or another. Pete's the evil guy, and he tries to take advantage of their switching and of the alien king and, and everything. That's the gist. Okay, thank you. Thank I love you, you very much. I just wasn't sure where to where to not give away spoilers. No, it's fine. It's fine. I love you very much. Um, without getting into spoilers, would we recommend either or both of these? I would. They're cute. They they're they're delightful. Yeah, I would. They're they're cute. They're short. Yeah, not they weren't terrible, and that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after our last week, the we had a pretty low bar, admittedly, to clear. Yeah, no, definitely, I I enjoy both both of these quite a bit. The Mickey Christmas Carol is definitely one of my favorite animated adaptations of of that story, and then I I've always loved The Prince of the Popper, with Mickey in it. It came out the year I was born. I love it. It's great. <laughs> um, it was. It also first appeared in theaters in front of The Rescuers Down Under, another movie I like. Ooh. So it's it's very good. Let's get specific. All right. 
So first, let's talk about Mickey's Christmas Carol. I have a couple of fun facts to say up front. Okay. Uh, this was Mickey Mouse's first appearance in theaters in 30 years. Wow. He had he his last short was um, I forget what the name of it was, but it was 30 years before this came out, and it was basically a Pluto cartoon um, that Mickey just happened to be in, which was most of Mickey's cartoons towards the end of his run. Um, this production was inspired by an adaptation of Dickens' Christmas Carol performed by the Walt Disney Players, which was a 1974 Disney record. The casting of the various Disney characters and stuff was virtually the same in both, barring a few big exceptions, which was that in the original record, the collectors for the poor were were ironically portrayed by Falfell and Gideon from Pinocchio. The mm. fox and the cat guy. Oh, oh wow. Interesting. Yeah, much different take there. The Ghost of Christmas Past was played by Merlin from The Sword in the Stone. Hmm. Okay. Instead of um, oh, cr- Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket. Okay. And most notably to me, The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come was played by Queen Grimhilde in witch form from Snow White. Interesting. Yeah, Pete was not in it, apparently. Interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just going to come out and say I much prefer Pete being in there. I love Pete, and also he was, like, suitably intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I think she probably could have been intimidating, but I like I think the stuff she could have. I think it seems it seems like besides Merlin, because Sword in the Stone isn't exactly the most well known Disney movie. Uh, it feels like Pinocchio and Snow White are both so well known that that might have been part of the reason that they changed the roles when they were going to actually animate them. Because it's like they, these are so like. They're more distracting than having yeah. the Disney, like Mickey and stuff, having them in there. That's fine because they've played roles in cartoons before. But like having the Queen from Snow White in there or these dudes from Pinocchio is a little bit more of a leap, it feels like, um, sure. when you're doing it visually. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I'm good with those changes. Um, I am kind of would have liked to see Merlin um, in mm-hmm. there instead of Jiminy. I, I guess I've just never cared that much for Jiminy. He's <laughs> fine. Um but I definitely am glad that Pete was in there, and I I prefer the two guys from winning the for note from a Mr. Toad. Mr. Toad over the dudes from Pinocchio. Um, so yeah, the giant that plays the yes. the, the Willie the giant is also from yes from he's... Jiminy Cricket cartoons. No, he's not from Jiminy Cricket cartoons. He is from oh. Mickey and the Beanstalk, yeah. which oh, okay. in its original version. Was part of the film um, Fun and Fancy Free, which Jiminy Cricket is in. Okay, but the, the version the of the version of of Mickey and the Beanstalk that I most saw as a kid though didn't have Jiminy Cricket. It had um, that scientist duck who I'm forgetting the name of right now for some hmm. reason, and uh, another little cricket dude who wasn't Jiminy. Um, oh, huh. He was okay. he he was like really kind of innocent and and cute and had a different face shape and stuff. Okay. So, but yeah, but Willie and Jiminy have been in a movie together before, even if they didn't really interact. Um, okay. But yeah, Willie, Willie is, is also from another thing. Like most, almost all the roles are, like, I don't, are there any, I don't think that there are any original characters in this. I think that's all characters from 
some Disney something or other Most appearing in the roles. Little mice, uh-huh. mouses mm-hmm. were from other things. Yes, in fact, um, let's see, let's see. Yeah, Tiny Tim and Pete, Peter Cratchit are actually Morty and Ferdy Field Mouse. Okay. Who you might remember me talking to you about the other day. Um, they are Mickey's nephews. They mostly appear in the comics. They have appeared in like one or two classic shorts. They're, they barely exist in most animated Disney forms. And I, I don't remember who the little girl is. It, it, the wiki, I think, was like thinking she's either this or this. And it's probably just more little girl mice who have appeared in comics and stuff. Okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, even the they aren't considered original characters. Sure. Okay. 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 Um. Yeah. Let's let's get into the story and characters and stuff. Well, I would like to say it, it, that the reason that I asked you the time, how long this was, oh, yes. is because if I it's Mickey Mouse and the animation is 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 wonderful, so I can forgive it. If I <laughs> if I wasn't familiar with the story, then to me. It, the storyline was not strong enough because there was nothing that was developed. It's, it's quite truncated, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there was nothing that was developed. Uh, so many of the lines, they basically told you what emotions, but they hadn't set that up. I was not yeah. emotionally invested. You know, I, when I think the Ghost of Christmas Past segment was the weakest overall because of that, because you don't really feel the emotion between him and Daisy playing his love interest. Like... Exactly. It doesn't have enough time to really make that feel sad. And also, like, the scene where they break up is kind of just set up in such a way that there's not a whole lot of emotion there. Yeah, exactly. Well, and even him then going into present and seeing uh, the whole interchange and with Tiny Tim. That gave me a little bit more, but you're right. A little bit more, it was but still... there, wasn't, there wasn't much there. But, and also, okay, we discussed yeah. this when, with my favorite of all time, <laughs> um, A Muppet Christmas Carol, we talked about that it was interesting that the Henson Company, wasn't it, or whoever, yeah. uh, did that, chose not to have well-known Muppets play the different spirits because, you know, and so interestingly, all of the characters that they had in this play the different spirits, they were still true to that character, which I found interesting. For example, Jiminy Cricket uh, being powered with his little umbrella and touching things and making that work Mm -hmm. and and then, you know, floating with his umbrella in, in... flying around with Scrooge. The same with the giant. Willie. Even, Willie even opening the, the roof. I love that. And climbing out of the house. Which was a callback to the actual thing. Yeah. Exactly. Because at the end of that, it's like the story being told. And at the end of it, Willie actually appears in the story and like r- lifts up the rooftop of whoever's telling the story, depending on the version. Exactly. And again, of course, the, the same voice and inflections and dialogues, of course, being true to that character and what that character would say. And then even though initially it was very well done that Pete was disguised with the hood, uh, the form and and for some reason just the blowing of the smoke with Smoking the cigar, cigar. I'm like this is Pete, and so that was it was very interesting choices, but it, you know yeah so so very cute and then Mickey his portrayal of Bob Cratchit, uh, I also found I want it- to talk about Donald 
that's an interesting role to shove Donald into because Donald's usually the grumpy one, Mm -hmm. but in this, he's just like full of happiness and love for the Christmas season and for his fellow man. And that's, that's a fun, I'm not saying it's bad. I just think that's a fun, interesting role to put him into. Also goofy as like a dude with like no morals Cause I know yeah. that was, that was interesting. Also because of Donald's speech, I found it interesting because I know this, this story so well that they gave Mickey some of the lines that typically, uh, and <laughs> so that he would say, them. yeah, that he would, he would say in that whole dialogue about, uh, I don't know when he, after he gives the wreath and, and about the spirit of giving and all of that, uh, Mickey says those lines. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even notice, know that they would give him the other lines, but it definitely makes sense to to give Mickey those lines. Yeah, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about Donald's voice acting once we get to that segment. Um, But yeah, I want to dig into a little bit more to Goofy too, um, because how did you, how did you feel about that portrayal of Marley? Well, interesting. Well, sorry. What was along the same vein? Because Goofy is, of course, portrayed as being very clumsy. I really found it interesting, the whole shadow up the stairs from the door, following him up, and then what I I found funny and interesting that they chose to do this is when Goofy eventually comes in, or, or sorry, Bob, wait. Marley. Marley. Sorry, Marley eventually Bob comes Marley. in the door. I know I was going to say Bob Cratchit, sorry. Uh, when Marley comes in the door... Uh, Scrooge has, in fear, ran through the door, bolted out all, all, all of his locks, dropped his cane, jumped into his chair. So his cane is laying across the floor. And so when Marley comes in, he trips over the cane. And, you know, it, it, I found, find that interesting because, of course, you know, why would a spirit interact with a real object? But it's just funny because they, they use that. Anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, especially he's got all the chains and stuff on him. I just kind of assume part of his punishment is that he gets to keep his clumsiness. <laughs> it's like you don't get to like have ghostly etherealness. You you will trip on things and fall downstairs. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, yeah. Which is of course him falling down falling downstairs is where we get the the goofy yell. So yeah, mm-hmm. the I thought I thought that was that was an interesting choice, and I think it worked. Yeah, uh, it. It's, it certainly lends itself more to our more, a much more comedic interpretation of the character, but this is a very cartoony, ov- like, it's overall much more lighthearted than versions of this can be. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, it kind of makes me wonder what Marley was like before. Was right? he yeah. so clumsy? Was he a little bit dopey? but still kind of heartless. I mean, he has to be to get the chains, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 what what did that relationship look like between Scrooge and Marley? Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> was Scrooge just waiting for him to like die so he could kind of take over because like they they do they have to characterize Scrooge through a lot of text or yeah. through a lot of like him saying things. And so early on in the movie, they, he mentions that Marley yeah. uh died and he's like and he left enough money for his tombstone but i gave him a burial at sea meaning yeah. he just kept the money scrooge is such a huge jerk in this version in the beginning especially yeah like so, they really go hard with it so so yeah is it it just if to me it feels like scrooge would you know do whatever to try to kind of hoodwink marley and, and he would probably get away with it because 
Marley seems kind of dopey. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like... So, uh, so again, comparing to Muppet Christmas Carol, um, that version of Scrooge is obviously just a, a lot more cold and detached. Um, he has, like, some of his little witty moments, but he overall comes off a lot more cold and, and down to earth. Um since this is a cartoon and also much more limited runtime, they have to kind of amp up how much of a jerk Scrooge is. And they really take every opportunity, like a lot of dialogue, like you said. Um, I liked the thing where Mickey was like, uh, oh, no, where where Mickey mentioned uh, he makes a hay penny more or whatever than what Scrooge said. And he's like, oh, yeah, I gave you a raise three years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, for doing your laundry. Like, it wasn't even for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, later when Marley's there, there's a, a brief, this is kind of animation, but it also really goes for the characterization of Scrooge. He takes the little ghost piggy bank and, like, shakes it. And it's just the little details like that that really emphasize his greed and what sort of character he is in the beginning. You said you wonder what uh valerie you said what you wonder what their relationship was like he also from the door knocker that turned into marley he like i don't know how you would say bonk like he grabbed his nose honked his nose and then when when uh when marley was there too he also honked his nose his nose the spirit of of marley and and even Marley he didn't, grabbed his, he didn't his honk, nose. He didn't like actually it honk it, the spirit one. He honked the when he was the doorbell. And then later, it was basically just a little bit of animation. He, like, reached out to try to touch him. Like, oh, it's you? And and Marley, like, recoils and, and covers his nose oh, because it's a reference it to that. Yeah, so he I didn't get he, honked a second time, but uh, because of the first one, he had that reaction. Which was a really nice little animation thing. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I did not snap to that. But, yeah, so that to me, that that uh suggests that in real life he was mean or and and did things you know like honking his nose (laughs) maybe to make him submissive i I don't know i mean yeah i didn't think of that i just sort of assumed it was a thing that he did because it was a doorbell and he was confused but honestly yeah i believe it too (laughs) i put oh no crying mickey Oh, um, yeah, his, like, eyes. Oh, yeah, he was so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the use of the grave diggers talking about Scrooge's funeral to help cons- consolidate the scene into one physical location. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there was a lot of things, of course, like that throughout. A lot of it didn't land as well, but, like, I get the need to consolidate. But I thought that the, the grave diggers, like, just talking about the dude who died whose grave they're digging did work well as a consolidation um, for the scene to like get across the fact that people thought ill of him and don't care about him without showing the other people who were like pawning his things like are in other versions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And again, uh, Valerie already mentioned that there's so much dialogue that even Scrooge McDuck had that just carried, carried the story along because otherwise you would not have had that context. And again, even though I think they did in the time that they had, I feel like they did a good a good job with that. But I would not be able to if if I didn't know the story so well, I think it would have been a little bit difficult to follow along. But for a child, I don't know if that really matters because again, I don't think it did for yeah. me as a child. Yeah. And especially I mean, you just Every every cartoon show for kids that goes on long enough eventually does this uh, does this story like 
just the extent to which you're inundated with it, like you get you get what this story is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete terrified me as a kid, and that scene where he knocks Scrooge into the grave and just laughs as like the flames of hell come up from Scrooge's coffin. Mm, yes, <laughs> that that, that um, I think that that scene is quite effective and and really nice animation, though comparatively it's a much weaker bit of motivation because it's basically like putting the fear of God into Scrooge rather than him being sad about how he ends up and deciding to change because of that. You know what I mean? It kind of, it's just sort of a little bit of a different take for some of the motivation Scrooge has in changing. That's interesting. I, I didn't think about that because it is the most for lack of a better word, violent depiction yeah. or kind of like you're going to, you know, rot in hell type thing and uh, showing it, you know, with again, all of, uh, because it, it's, it's a coffin that you see that he falls into the grave. And not only is it red, you know, looking red hot or, or you can see red around the, the edges, but then it, the lid flies up and then literally, you know, hell fires come, come, come up ready to consume Scrooge McDuck. So, I mean, it's literally... And he's, like, hanging onto a root, trying not to fall in. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... There's nothing left to the imagination, in other words. (laughs) Certainly, no. Yeah. Um, But because... I I, I guess because they went so over the top with that in such a kind of cartoony way, it, it, it was probably one of the most impactful of the ghost scenes. Yes, um, yeah. My last story note is just should have wrapped that turkey if it was going to be in the bag yeah. with the toys. <laughs> yeah, we, we all had fun laughing because when he comes, when Scrooge comes to visit, that was another scene that definitely, you know, just they just skipped over. So that I didn't even have a chance, even hardly a millisecond to like feel any emotion because he comes in with this big bag. Uh, and and a little teddy bear falls out, so Tiny Tim is kind of onto him, and he tries to tries to stuff the, the the bear in his pocket. But anyway, when the whole family then gets into, or or at least uh, Minnie and the children, because because Bob Cratchit is is still interacting with Scrooge, but get into the bag. This huge, beautifully cooked turkey is in there with all the toys, and it yes. it doesn't seem to be wrapped. So I'm like, no, Yuck, yeah. okay, <laughs> how um, would that have worked? I, 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 if you guys are cool with it, I think let's just go ahead and go through all the sections with just this one and then just go back and do Prince and the Popper because sure. then we can go from Prince and the Popper right into spoilers because we're sure. not going to have spoilers for this. Sure. Uh, so, so yeah, anything else with uh, story specifically, story or character specifically before we get into voice acting because I actually have a lot of voice acting notes. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. All right. A lot of voice acting notes. Scrooge was voiced by Alan Young. This was Young's first time playing Scrooge, which was a role that he would play until his death in 2016. Wow. So he was Scrooge for a long time. Um, Mickey, uh, Bob Cratchit slash Mickey Mouse, um, one of the weasels, and Otto, who was the guy who asked Scrooge uh, for for money at the beginning Mm. of the movie, who... You might not recognize this because it's probably been a long time since you've seen Robin Hood, but it's another character from Robin Hood, actually. All of those people were voiced by Wayne Allwine. Uh, This was Allwine's first time voicing Mickey in a theatrical feature, and he would continue to play that role until his death in 2009. Wow. Also, a little fun fact about Wayne Allwine, he was married to Rusey Taylor, who was also the most one of the most prominent uh, voices for Minnie Mouse. Oh, 
Reese Taylor actually recorded dialogue, which never ended up in the finished film. Um, and this was her first time performing Minnie, which she then played Minnie until her death in 2019. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see, who else do I got here? Goofy is voiced by Hal Smith. I don't have any real notes about that other than I don't... I, you know, Hal Smith, you know, you're doing, you're doing a great job. Uh, I'm not super into this version of Goofy's voice. It, he just sounds a little weird to me. I guess I'm just so used to either old school Goofy, um, like real old school Goofy, where um, it's Pinto Colvig or Bill Farmer, who has been the modern voice of Goofy since forever. Oh, okay. I didn't really... Yeah, I think he did sound really kind of that. weird. Yeah. But I'm just like, he's supposed to be... Kind of evil here, so So I'm I'm fine. (laughs) This is alternate evil version, Goofy. Also, uh, Hal Smith voiced Ratty. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's see, let's see. Uh, Will Ryan voiced a ton of characters in this movie. He was Willie the Giant, Pete, Mole, Weasel number two, and (laughs) the big bad wolf, who in the very beginning of the film says something about like all... like. He, he's like the Santa on the edge of the street. Like, That's right. Ask, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a question okay. about, like, did, did the Santa look have a thing at this time? Wasn't that, like, early 1920s? Probably. That's uh, anachronistic. Right. Wow. Don, uh, Fred, or Donald Duck, was voiced by Clarence Nash. This film was actually the last time that Clarence Nash voiced Donald Duck before he died in 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, Nash was the only original voice actor in this film, since Walt Disney, who did, originally did Mickey and Pinto Colvig, originally did Goofy, died in the 1960s. Bill Thompson, who did, who originally did Scrooge, Cliff Edwards, Jiminy Cricket, and Billy Gilbert, Willie the Giant, died in 1971. And Billy Bletcher, who did Pete and the Big Bad Wolf, originally in 1979. So Clarence Nash was the only one still alive at that point, um, unfortunately. Well, I will say that I could understand Donald, so in yeah, that I mean, sense, I really appreciate it. I will talk I about it more can. in Prince and the Pauper, but I f- interestingly find Clarence Nash's interpretation, at least in this movie, less intelligible than his replacement in Prince and the Pauper, but we'll talk about that a little more then. Hmm. Um... And then let's just, like, all the amount of cameos in this movie. Um, Yeah, lots of... I guess this is sort of animation, but it also... It it varies. We have have tons of people from um, Robin Hood, people from um, Adventures of Mr. Toad, Mm -hmm. um, just classic cartoon characters. The Three Little Pigs, Gus Goose, Peter Pig, Patty Pig, Clarabelle Cow, and Horace Horsecollar both appear in the dance scene briefly. Mm. Clara Cluck's in there. Grandma Duck, Chip and Dale, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I missed uh, Chip and Dale. Oh, you missed Chip and Dale? They, oh, like, they hop were, on they screen were for, the, like, uh, five yeah, seconds. They were at the Fezziwig. Fezziwig. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Fezziwig. Fezziwig. It was a lot No, it's Fezziwig. <laughs> it's Fezziwig. It's Fezziwig as Muppets. It's yeah. Fezziwig. Um, yeah, no, they're, I think they actually show Chip and Dale right before they show Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I think. yeah, I'm, I might have seen them. There was just a lot. Oh, there. no, there was a ton. Bongo the Bear and Lulu Bell from Fun and Fancy Free, the other, which is the part of Fun and Fancy Free that no one cares about. Uh, <laughs> Cocky Locky from the original Chicken Little cartoon, not the 2000s thing. Uncle, Uncle Waldo from the Aristocats. He's a goose. 
He was uh, at the beginning no. of the dance part. Okay. Angus McBatcher, like mom, mom noticed yes. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the secretary bird from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I didn't even oh, catch wow. that. I missed that. Wow. Lady Cluck, Sis, and Tagalong from Robin Hood. Also, Skippy, Toby, Mother Rabbit, and Grandma Owl from Robin Hood. Wow. Two, There's a lot of Robin Hood. Two of the, yeah, so many. Well, I mean, they're all furry, so they fit yeah. pretty easily. <laughs> uh, two of the three little wolves. Um, oh. and, and Cyril Proudbottom. Uh, was the horse? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and then, yeah, that, that was also from Mr. Didn't Tyler. Say anything. He didn't he say was, anything. Yeah, he was from the Mr. And Tyler. I was like, "Is this just a regular horse? His face shape's pretty there, but then he smiled and he has the big buck teeth." And I was like, "That's definitely him." Yeah. <laughs> Valerie noticed the three little wolves, but you didn't know who they were because you haven't seen them before. Mm-hmm. Basically, they appear. I think there's the original Three Little Pigs cartoon that was a huge hit. They made three sequels to it, and I think the Three Little Wolves first appeared in the third one, and then are also in the fourth one. They're just like nephews or something of the Big Bad Wolf. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and they briefly appear and are being chased by like a little kid-looking version of Practical Pig. Um, So yeah. Uh, just absurd number of cameos I know, in this. It's, that's funny. I mean, it was yeah. like the first theatrical cartoon that Disney had put out for a long time. And I think they just, especially since um, there was a lot of cameos from various Disney people in the CD that they were kind of, or the album that they were kind of basing this on. Yeah, they just decided to go ham with it. Like, there is just so much. Um, let's go on to animation whenever mickey put his hat on when he was leaving his his job his ears kind of squished that was so cute it was so good i love that it made me think of a classic uh, mickey short the the you might remember this mom the one with the little like whirlwind that keeps messing up the leaves as (gasps) mickey's trying to do it i think at one point he puts on like a different sort of hat and his ears squished too that um, was so cute. Yeah, yeah. It was, the animation was just such a delight, especially in light of our last, our, our last um, viewing. But even more than that, just the the style and, of course, just so true to all the characters. The the use of color, the use of shadow was amazing. I really I like loved... that dark, desolate street as Scrooge left his office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like really like nice blues and just kind of the, the loneliness of it because no one else is out. Um, and then he kind of keeps walking and it gets even darker and the, the snow starts covering the screen. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and thinking of snow, even the use of snow, because when he first comes to the counting house, there is snow on the sign and he uses his, I think, paint yeah. to knock off the snow and then coming out when he's coming out and he's the only one in, in the town and it's desolate, he knocks it off again. But just the way the snow falls, uh, you know, even I find it funny, his his feet coverings. He has like mm-hmm. these little flaps on top of his feet, but then he's still walking in the snow with it, with, with just his feet. Uh, anyway, just funny. but even, even how the, the snow and the footprints left behind in the snow, uh, just, it was really well done. Yeah. Just, it's those little details that make animation really feel alive in a way that something with this little care put into it as Gulliver's travels from last week, just mm-hmm. can't hope to achieve. Yeah. The thing yeah. that, kind of made me like oh, this is just so much better was when scrooge was had a candle in his room mm-hmm. and he it was like lighting up the room but then he put it into the chimney to look in there and the way the light shifted it was i was just like uh 
like, <laughs> like environmental stuff. I know. It was Amazing. So cool. Oh, I know. And then even bending down and yeah, and, and looking under the bed. I loved it. Well, and also the shadow work, because when he came in the door, then the shadow of Marley, Goofy, followed him up the stairs. And then at one point he starts, you know, almost kind of sword playing with his cane against the shadow of Goofy. And, and then you can, but you think, can see both of their- I think Shadow Goofy like picks up his hat yeah. and yes. then, and then he like points his cane and like wobbles it and is like tickling Shadow Goofy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, both of them on the stairway, you know, and their shadows interacting with each other as well as the shadow interacting with the cor- corporeal Scrooge. I mean, just so well done. Yeah. 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 When you think about it, it's like, that's actually like really technically- to to communicate that is actually really cool. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's that's a level of effort that doesn't need to be there, but adds so much when it is there. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice that when Marley said tonight you'll be visited by three spirits, he held up two fingers. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it was also, and again, never in any obviously other depiction. But when Scrooge goes to bed, we we're all used to the the depiction of Scrooge going into his four-poster bed that has the curtains that surround his bed. And in this interpretation, as Scrooge is sleeping, whenever he would snore or bring in a breath, the curtains would would suck inwards. And then they'd they'd blow outwards and they'd move with his snoring. And it was just very, very interesting. Yeah. What do you think of the camera mimicking Jiminy's hopping when we went right before you actually see it's Jiminy Cricket. Like oh, he's he's kind of jumping oh, and the camera kind of bounces a little bit with oh, him. Oh, okay. I think I know what... Also his Ghost of Christmas Past badge. Oh, <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, I did. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, when Scrooge like questions like, really? And he like opens his little jacket and it's a badge. Yes. It just says Ghost of Christmas Past. Yes. yes. I liked his uh, lighting the candle and the, the, the glowy things. It's Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, this is... From Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Cute. yes um, skipping ahead a little bit, the huge stack of money separating Daisy and Scrooge. Not subtle. Not a, <laughs> yes. not a subtle bit of, of yes. environmental design. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that scene, it was it was probably the weakest one. Yeah, I said it's it's like, it isn't heartbreaking. Like, no, there's just the, no emotion there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, the, the characterization is just such a leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, yeah, from him like showing affection at the dance to then like him just being like, "You haven't paid your rent or whatever." Yeah, right. That you're an hour late for your rent. Yeah, but also they did nothing to develop or or even have any empathy for the character of Scrooge because they skipped over. They didn't show anything from his past. They didn't show any of his childhood yeah. or how he was, you know, left in that school by himself for all the holidays. Mm-hmm. So there was really no context why he would you know, just not like Christmas. They didn't actually, that wasn't a big theme in that, like him hating. In fact, does he even say humbug? I don't even he think does he say did. Humbug. He says he does say humbug. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But he, does he say it other than in the beginning? I don't remember. I think I just, he says it a couple of times. Okay. I just mean, it's like, that, that doesn't even come to my mind. So he, to me, I don't think he said it that much yeah. you know, regardless. So I don't think him hating Christmas was that big of a theme in this. Uh, per se, but again, there was no emotional or empathy for him or understanding of why he is the way he yeah. is because they don't develop. They literally go out the window to the Fozzywig or Fezziwig, yeah, the Fezziwig uh, celebration. <laughs> you barely, you know, meet. You, you know, you meet and they're dancing. Uh, Daisy or oh, I forgot what his name his his I don't know in, in this, but his love interest to 
him being in the counting house again with the huge stacks of money and her coming in and saying, I need to know if you're going to marry me or not. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. So that's I mean, admittedly, even in Muppet Christmas Carol, there's not a whole lot of actual time spent developing their relationship. But the scene where they're in the park, Mm. like there's obvious physical affection between them. He obviously has some amount of caring towards her. Like he doesn't feel like he's just totally shutting her out in the way that Scrooge in this clearly is. And then if you're watching like the actual good version, Mm -hmm. she sings a whole emotionally heartfelt song where we, where we really, we, where we are really made to feel both young Scrooge's detachment, but still like kind of trying, but, being relatively detached and old Scrooge's very obvious like regret. regret. Um, you get some of that regret in here in the Disney one, but it, it's just not that the same level. Yeah, yeah. What I liked from the, the Muppet one was his, his reason to not was like, Oh, I need more money for this. Like it yeah. was a misplaced priorities versus here was just like a total disconnection. Just greed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back on to actual animation. Um, the animation is really like fluid and squishy when uh goes to Christmas present appears, like that whole segment in the room with all the food and stuff. I re- I was really digging the animation yeah. there. It just felt really yeah. and like the grape thing where he like yeah. pops all the grapes off and it is very cute. Yeah, and just Willie's animation especially was very like expressive and fluid and yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed that. And even the color, it's amazing yeah. how with the the right use of color you portray that of rich and and opulence uh because almost all the food was almost this beautiful golden brown with mm-hmm. the, with the shine and very yeah warm. so so just yeah just that well yeah not only warm but again just that that of just of almost opulence not not like cold opulence just like gold and the stacks of gold yeah. but just still that just abundance yeah mm-hmm. that tiny tiny turkey that Minnie cooked <laughs> oh that was so <laughs> sad that line was so funny and with the peas yeah well was it um oh what's she cooking a canary yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the proportion they did they it's have so this plate tiny. that it just barely takes you know any space on the plate of this little bird and these peas or whatever it is that's yes. on their plate and then was... Mickey's like slicing the pea and that yes. reminded me of Mickey and the Beanstalk where they're slicing a bean like yes. three ways yes it was so sad you don't um, even know how any of them would have gotten any sustenance yeah. out of any of that of uh, the fog during Ghost of Christmas Future being Pete's cigar smoke mm. is really and like that's a really and like it's like oh this this would smell and feel so bad to yeah. be around this isn't just like regular fog yeah um I like after that scene Scrooge running around with the hat holder thing still attached to him because he he tied his scarf but it's around that and he's just yeah. running around with that on him for a little bit because he's so excited i was gonna say with the animation that was something that i found really really well done because and even to the oh just how silly it was because he, like, he steps, steps in his into hat. his hat and then he goes goes ahead and puts his hat on but then you see the the top of the hat flip you know flop open and then yeah he includes the hat or the coat rack with his scarf yeah, and then yeah. he's running around with that. They're just really well done. The, the movement of it and everything. Yeah. I also liked when he got to the house and he, uh, to um, Bob Cratchit's house and he puts the bag down and the little teddy bear comes out and he has it in his pocket. You see that tiny 
Tom, Tim. Tiny Tim, uh, notices that. And, like, just, I liked the way that Scrooge, like, kept kind of furtively looking at him throughout that part, like, with a kind of, like, don't ruin my play acting, kid. Let me, like, get to the end of this <laughs> yeah, bit yeah. I'm doing. He's, like, trying to hide it, and Tiny yeah. Tim goes to take it out of his pocket. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, look, kid, I know you know, but don't say anything yet, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and two, oh, sorry, the, the connection that is normally established in... That this whole play and the end scene where you know he comes in and he's generous to the family and then the the children and everyone bond with him it just again was so fast because you go from opening the bag to this turkey to him sitting in a rocky chair and all the kids just loving and adoring him they in got, the rocking chair he got them a lot of toys <laughs> yeah fair yeah kids yeah. are easily bought with toys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least sometimes I mean, yeah. um any other yes. animation things yeah I have two things Pete's outfit. To me, at first it looked kind of like an executioner's outfit, but then mm. he took the hood off and it felt kind of like a monk type thing. Yeah. Sure, yeah, I yeah. wasn't quite sure where I was supposed to go with that. Uh, and then whenever, after he, you know, has his epiphany or whatever, and he goes out and he's giving money to those two guys... And he just has bags of money in his coat. He does. Yeah, that he just has hilarious. a bunch of pockets with bags of money. He must I be know, so strong. He's so like weight right? training every day by holding all this money. He's <laughs> like at least a hundred co- coins. Yeah. Yes. And they must be strong pockets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Also, everyone that keeps having everyone that has their underwear exposed they all have they all have these these white um with the kind of a frilly it's the stereotypical cartoon underpants and and red hearts it's yeah that's that's one of the main polka dots yeah that's one of the main three lines between this and prince and the popper yes yes so so in other words when he opens his coat with all the things he keeps giving it to the people collecting the mole and and poor thing making his pants fall down and he keeps adding more and more money uh, um, bags of money which make his pants just keep being weighted down it was yeah yeah funny. I don't know if there's a whole lot of value in the question of if what this would have been like in live action because there are like 10, 10 20 different live action versions of this um, ah. if it had to be this quick it and yeah. it was live action it probably wouldn't have worked very well well I mean, I mean if it had to be this quick like because the advantage that this one has is that it has exaggerated animation and even then a lot of the emotional beats are just not very strong I, I don't think it would have been as good live action if it had to be this like 25 minutes well all I'm, all I'm saying is like you have lots of sitcoms and stuff that do this story fair and, and so for that they're but a relying, lot of them are... for that they're relying on the characters that exist like they're not doing this story exactly but they're you know doing that moral into the universe that they're in you so, just gotta pick which one's your scrooge yes. which one has to learn the lesson of your main cast and you're, and you're pretty much good then yeah. the rest of it's just fun putting putting people in the roles yeah mm-hmm. and, and truly that is kind of the fun thing of this story is it's like who maps to who and yeah I, and i do you remember who they here. do in animaniacs as scrooge I don't remember. It's it's uh, Thaddeus Plotz, the like CEO dude of sure, Warner Brothers. Sure, 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 sure. Oh. And I'm pretty sure I think Bob Crotchet is Ralph, the security guy. <laughs> I mean that makes sense. And I think the Warners are the, are all three of the ghosts. Yeah. So. Oh, that's like funny. yeah, like that's the the fun of of this. It's like so yeah. ubiquitous that 
putting them in a role tell something about them. Yeah, the bit the main thing is the picking your Scrooge, and once you have that, like then it's just kind of fun picking who goes where. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's hard to say. This is a, definitely like a special case, but they. I mean, this technically is, done it in the in multiple the, times in this case. You literally just have your character named Scrooge McDuck, who is based on Scrooge as Scrooge. <laughs> so that that particular one, super easy casting. Yeah, I liked how they uh, name dropped the uh, other duck guy, the his his like mortal enemy. Did they? Yeah. When? No, they name dropped him like whenever he was. Uh, he he's like, oh, this is what I got today, and he's like, what what's the name of him? Is it Glongold? What's his last name? <gasps> Glomgold. Yeah, I think I it was... Forget. He didn't say Glomgold, but I, he said, like, some duck name that was like, oh, he, uh, he, I got his money with, like, 80% interest compounded by the day as he's, like, bringing out bags of money. At first I was gonna be like, does that even make sense? Because DuckTales wasn't out yet. And then I remember that the Carl Barks comics had existed for so many years before that. So I'm sure Glomgold already existed. I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that either. That's really interesting. But I do remember the 80, uh, whatever, the 80 thing. compounded compounded interest. Yeah. I forget forget the last name. That's funny. McDuff or something? McQuack? Maybe it was. No. I don't remember. Maybe it was wrong. Well, it could have even, it's possible it was someone other than Glomgold, but I'll need to listen again. I didn't catch that he, reference. Yeah, he did it, he did it a name drop, but yeah, like that was funny. Oh, that is funny. Very nice. Okay, let's go on anything with sound design. I don't really have any notes here. I mean, it was fine. It was, yeah, all of it was fine. Oh, I guess, what did you guys think of the mostly opening and also a little bit closing song? Fine. Yeah. I don't know. I it was don't, fine. It Very Christmassy. Yeah. Oh yes, yes animation yes, wise, yes. I guess it was interesting to do like the, the like book drawing, yeah, uh, yeah. illustration for the yeah intro. very prominent three little pigs cameo right at the beginning with that one yeah yeah but then I'll... they also appear again on the same corner where the big bad wolf is. Mm-mm. All I was gonna say is I whatever instrumentals they had when it first starts going into the uh, the city and yeah. before you see Scrooge. It very reminiscent of any of the depictions of of this story. I so I immediately was starting to get into. So I'm not sure what chords or what they. What, what I'm not sure. Was, but the composer was Erwin Coastal, um, who also did the soundtrack, not the songs, but the soundtrack for Mary Poppins and uh, Bedknob and Broomsticks and some other things. Hmm, okay. Also, um, maybe the most interesting thing and reason that I recognize his name is that he did not originally do the uh, music in Fantasia, but in the 1980s, they re-recorded all of the music in Fantasia because Walt does not Walt because uh, he wasn't around. Someone thought that the recordings that they had before didn't really match the movie anymore as far as quality in the modern age so they recorded a newer version Hmm. um i'm not sure which version was on the vhs tape that i had as a kid um but now i have both uh, both versions because the walt disney legacy collection soundtrack has both recordings on it okay well interesting well again yeah that it it just got me into the mood and the mindset for for this story yeah um anything with the, well, let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? This is the first time we'll be visiting here. We'll come back later, probably. Uh, any notes here? Because I don't actually have anything. I don't think anything stood out to me. Yeah, I mean... 
I mean, is there anything problematic in here? I just is there anything that felt really character of uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present? If like Willie's character just speaking slow and stuff like that, like I get that he's uh, a character, but I can see if somebody might have a yeah, like it's just a general potential problem with all of the characters who were kind of portrayed as slow or or really goofy in that way sure yeah all i can even think of is that he's supposed to be a giant i don't know if he's supposed to have anything in common with trolls but trolls are not portrayed as being that seems that seems like a really left field thing to say um i don't think anything else with this section so let's go all the way back let's go on to the prince and the pauper i have a couple of fun facts at the start here too This was Disney's final use of the traditional ink and paint and camera process and also their final use of the Xerox process that they had been using prominently since like 101 Dalmatians that kind of has that rougher look to it. This one didn't look super rough, but like it still used that process some uh, throughout. Uh, This was also Disney's last half hour featurette to be released theatrically until... Olaf's Frozen Adventure in 2017, (laughs) also known as that Frozen short at the beginning of Coco in theaters that everybody hated. Aww. (sighs) Mom. Uh, (laughs) You know what? Let's take a brief moment to roast Mom a little bit. (laughs) Who, who on a Christmas a few years ago, decided to get me, like, multiple pieces of Olaf merchandise, uh, mostly clothes, (laughs) Um, pretty much none of which I ever wore because, I mean, I don't hate Olaf. I don't know why. And I like Frozen okay, but like, I I never have liked Olaf enough to want any piece of merchandise with him on it. (laughs) So sorry. I don't know why you hate on poor Olaf. I don't hate him. I just don't like him enough to want merchandise. To to be fair, you know, as much as I love like Baby Yoda and uh, BB-8 and things like that, I mean, it's not like I'm a big, I buy stuff with Olaf either. So, so sorry about that, my dear. (laughs) Um... That's it for now, and I'll do these other two later. Uh, so, so yeah, let's talk about story, characters, all that sort of thing for the prince and the pauper. The secret handshake thing was very <laughs> a very silly <laughs> plot device. Did it come back after? He th- tried to do the the secret handshake. Oh, it must have been so quick that I forgot. Well, because he didn't know it. He was like, yeah, and he started to like do it, but the prince didn't know it. That was. Yeah, yeah. That was very silly. I think that should have helped tip, tip Goofy off a little earlier then. Like, that seems like what that plot point should be used for, but it didn't really do much to lead Goofy that direction. No. <laughs> I put Yay Horace getting a notable role instead of just a cameo. He's the uh, the instructor or whatever for the prince that's right that's That's horace horse collar who's from like ancient mickey cartoons and then basically stopped appearing for a very long time and then mostly gets cameos um but he got a voice role here i like how pluto is smarter than goofy and he of (laughs) course knows that (laughs) that the the mickey is that the prince is not mickey but I would assume he's got negative some... on on Pluto earlier when you said something about because Pluto was not in Christmas Carol. There's fifty gajillion cameos in Mickey's Christmas Carol. Pluto is not in that movie. 
I know. Pluto just got nothing. Maybe that's part of why they gave him a pretty prominent role in this one. (laughs) They're like, we got to make up our our ignoring Pluto. I know. Um, I also love the return of mischievous Mickey with the prince. Because in very early cartoons, Mickey had a much more mischievous streak that was kind of ironed out as time went on. And he became kind of, you know, the mascot for Disney. Um, he, He basically kind of became boring. And so I liked seeing more of that mischievous side with the prince who's like uh, messing with Donald and imitating Horace mockingly and stuff like that. Yeah, that was funny. That was cute. Uh, What do we think about the quote? To govern, you only need say two things. That's a splendid idea. I'm glad I thought of it. Or guard, seize him. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, wow. That's uh, (laughs) that's dark. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, may I have your name? What's the matter with the one you got? That yes, was, I have that, that quote. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yes. I also like the prince stealing a dog's bone to try to play fetch, and that dog's like utter bafflement at first. It's just like, what? What did you just do? Yeah. Yes. It's like, and now I'm going to hurt you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was so funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I. The I, part of it is probably just because unlike Christmas Carol, I haven't seen this plot 50 billion times, but I I enjoyed the simplistical plot of this thing. It's like we got a king who's dying. Uh, uh, guard, what's what's Pete's captain, captain, of guard, yeah. captain of the guard, who's like taking advantage of that to cause chaos and stuff. And uh, the two Mickey's get to switch and leave and live each other's lives for a little bit. And then ultimately they got to, they got to deal with, with Pete's machinations, you know, like it's, it's straightforward. It has like a fun kind of adventure vibe for part of it. The comedy fits in a little better than it sometimes does in Christmas Carol, where it basically just needs to be, it needs to like be inserted, but it doesn't naturally belong in Christmas Carol. But like here it all feel like the comedy feels like it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen, of course the switching someone, you know, royalty with yes, someone yes. commoner that theme played out a lot, but I guess, Again, Which I'm not I real think is based Prince. on Prince and the Pauper, but a lot of mo- most things that do that don't necessarily actually do the story of Prince and the Pauper. They just use the switcheroo thing. Yeah, the right. McGuire movie. Yeah, yeah, classic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it, I don't uh, have a whole whole ton of notes uh, for this section. You guys have anything else for the story and characters? Uh, just Pete saying "Sinora sucker" as he kicks out <laughs> one of those guys. That's in voice acting, babe. Oh, <laughs> character. That's a character moment. It is a character. It's a good character moment. I I do. I really. All of the Mickey characters that are in this, I feel, are stronger as characters than they were in Christmas Carol because. They're playing roles, and yet they also are just themselves. Like, Mickey is just named Mickey. Goofy is just named Goofy. Donald is Donald. Like, they're in these roles, but they also are more clearly themselves. They're not as constrained by the need to follow the story in that way, Mm -hmm. which is interesting, except for the other Mickey, which is an interesting thing. But, like, Pete feels like Pete, yeah, Goofy yeah. feels like Goofy, Pluto feels like Pluto, Donald feels like Donald. Horace is probably the one that's most, like, just a totally different character who happens to look like Horace. Yes. Um, but also, most audiences 
don't yeah, remember what horse horse collars um, personality ever was, mm. and the answer is that he's mostly a proto Donald. <laughs> um, he was he just kind of had a bad attitude and was also a little full of himself, which are both traits that Donald would more commandeer later. Hmm. Um, What's Donald's job? Or role in the castle. When we first see him, he has a little apron and a duster. Is he just like, I don't, a butler guy? Or is I don't he, know. Is he Mickey's mandated his friend? Main, the prince's mandated friend? His main role seems to be like snickering as bad things happen to Mickey. So. <laughs> and, and then get like, be put upon yes. when Goofy joins the fray. Pretty oh much. God. Like, I don't know, but I'm glad he's here, you know? Yes. Like, Donald, I don't know why you're here, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> As far as, uh, real quick, I was just going to say with story, I think what makes this really successful to me, one is I'm not really familiar with The Prince and the Pauper other than this rendition, that actual story. But I think because you have fewer characters that you can develop the ones that you do have. And so the scenes were more impactful because you had a little bit of time to spend even with the prince um, and, and, you know, and, and him being schooled you know, by, by Horace and the inter, uh, the exchange with he and Donald, you know, um, you have time to somewhat develop uh, Mickey and Goofy and Pluto's relationship and, and all of that. So it just, it worked well. So I feel like this story, there was less leaps and I was mm-hmm. more invested in, in the action and the characters. Yeah, I feel, I, I not that this is like an emotional masterpiece or anything, like it's a 25 minute Mickey short. But I feel like the emotional beats it does have work a lot better than the Christmas Carol mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like like the a lot of a lot of it's later in the story that we'll kind of have in the spoiler section. Um, but there's there's some moments of sadness that that really do feel kind of sad and weighty. Like not to the extent that they're gonna make me cry, but like I feel a little something in my chest. You know, I'm like, yeah, this feels emotional um and and you i felt a little bit more of again the peril with yes uh, sense yeah, of danger yes yeah, a danger there's more of a sense of danger with the characters from pete you know pete endangering everyone and he's much more menacing and again i just think the characters because you didn't have that many that you were trying to to cover um and you didn't have to have all the dialogue just make up i think the actions spoke for itself yeah yeah, it's it's overall a much simpler story with a lot fewer characters and when you have such a short runtime, yeah, I think that really works in your favor. Um I I see for instance, looking at the Wikipedia's, there are a lot more details on the Christmas Carol ones versus this ones. Part of that is that there's a ton of cameos, but that's not all of it. I feel like the Christmas Carol one is generally more esteemed and well-known than the Prince and the Popper one. And my hot take is that I feel like the Prince and the Popper one is the better cartoon. I think they're both good, but I think that the Prince and the Popper one plays to the strengths of its cast a lot better than the Christmas Carol one does that kind of, especially watching it now and knowing so many of the characters kind of feels like a glorified, like cameo machine. It's just like, it's a cute little rendition and I like it, but I, I feel like 
Prince of the Poppers, the stronger one. I would agree. I would agree. And even I know we're going to get into music, but I loved the 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 beginning song. I'll briefly skip to that because yeah, I I, I started singing along with it, and it's been years since I've seen this. Yeah, I I love their little like a king song mm-hmm. um, that mostly is in the beginning and also reprises briefly a couple oh, yeah. times throughout yeah. not even just the end there's like two or three other times where characters briefly doing it i think goofy especially um yeah it's a cute little song it's obvious i don't know what the piece of music it's based on is but it's clearly based on like a classical piece of yeah. music um but it's a, it's a cute little song like I, mm-hmm. I enjoy it and i also really just love the the instrumental soundtrack of this um the composer is nicholas pike and like I, I love his work in this. Like the moment that it starts with the, like the rousing music that's playing as it's like showing the name and brief credits and stuff. It makes me like, mm, yeah, I'm ready. Like it's, it's great. Like the, uh, some of the adventure uh, fighting scenes and stuff later in the movie have, have music that's really complimenting it. Like I really enjoy the music a lot in this one. Yeah. Well, and I also feel like it picked up an emotional beat because here are these poor, uh, these poppers and they're singing about uh, being like a king. And so they're creating out of snow that of course disappears <laughs> these, these succulent pieces of food and other things. And it just, it just breaks your heart even more really <laughs> realizing they have, they're being all cheerful about, you know, the possibility of all this food, but they are starving and they're just playing with snow. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> Goofy trying to sell snow cones. Oh, yes. yes. Very yes. cheesy. It's like, I'm going to eat all this myself. Yeah. <laughs> or just put it on the ground. Right. Um, voice acting stuff. I, I like Donald's grumpy muttering as he was made to leave the room when in the first scene that we see him. Um, I just generally find Tony Anselmo, who is uh, the new voice of Donald, um, I think he appeared in, in a couple of things before this, like smaller things. Um, but this was one of his first big roles. Um, and he's been the modern voice of Donald mm, for, okay. for years and years. Um, and is still alive. Um, and I, I, I overall find his Donald more intelligible than Clarence Nash's or like any other people who sometimes take on the role for smaller projects that are a little less intelligible. Mm. Um yeah, I don't know. I also feel like Tony Anselmo's era of playing Donald is also the era where the most jokes are made about not being able to understand Donald, mm. which is funny to me because I do feel like he is the more understandable version of Donald. Well, and just not to just go back, but the line about, you know, uh, wish something Merry or wish you Merry Christmas. I could understand that in the Mickey Christmas Carol. And I just I just remember it just struck me because I normally can't understand anything that he's saying. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't have the comparisons that you do. But again, I just I was like, hey, I understood that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I forget what he was saying as he was muttering and leaving the room. But I was struck by the fact that I could actually like understand as he was like getting quieter and muttering in a way that if Clarence Nash had been doing it, I doubt I could have. Um, which isn't an insult to Clarence Nash. He's classic, but I like how the prince has a notable accent while still like being mickey mouse's voice yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he has an accent and also just like a tone about him yeah yeah but he's still like mickey mouse's voice yeah, yeah. I, good good voice work that's still wayne allwine oh, and okay. he's doing a okay. great job yeah yeah definitely um 
So you said uh, the what was the soundbite from Pete that stood out for you? Sayonara, sucker. <laughs> um, that I I do love that one, but also what he says right before that is like ingrained in my brain for some reason. His "I live to serve," <laughs> followed by like punting, <laughs> punting Mickey away, saying "Sayonara, sucker." It's just like ingrained in my memory for some reason. I get I watched this short a lot as a kid. Um, also, later in the movie, um, the part where the prince is like on top of the thing and is giving the food to everybody, and then Pete and and the guards come, and there's that one dude in the crowd who's like, "Run for it, boy!" Yes, yes, yes. That's another one that's just oh, that's that's in my head. I'm like, he that happened or not? And like a visceral part of me was like, "Oh yeah, this line." <laughs> It's just, I have, I don't know who does that voice part, but like, good job because that has stuck with me. That like, really urgent, but also kind of like, off-putting sounding run for it, boy. It's amazing. I think, uh, that's funny. Usually the stuff that I would watch was like, I probably shouldn't have been watching. Uh, but like songs and stuff, I'm like, I still remember this song. And you just have random lines. Uh, yeah, I just, I just have, I live to serve. Or, run for it, boy! <laughs> um, I want to talk about Captain Pete's voice. Uh, he is voiced by Arthur Burkhart in this. This is Burkhart's only major appearance as Pete, Ooh. though he would reprise the role in a couple of video games. Okay. Um, and... I'm I'm fine with like Jim Cummings becoming like the main voice of Pete not too long after this, and I think Jim Cummings does a great job and ov- and overall matches the character a bit better. But man, this version of Pete is intimidating, and a yeah, whole lot of it yeah. is Arthur's voice. Like, it's he is terrifying sounding, they and it's just, great. Yeah, I think it it's underscored by some animation stuff. But yes, yes, definitely. Like, no, part of it is definitely the animation, but, like, that voice is powerful, and it makes him one of the scariest versions of Pete for me, um, and just the most inti- one of the most intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nothing redeeming about his character. Oh, no, oh, he's no. just pure evil. Yeah. Um, Bill Farmer is here voicing Goofy, doing a great job, sounding like the Goofy I know and love. Um, he also did Pluto, Horus, and one of the Weasels. Oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. The, that Weasel voice. That... No, I'll get to that in a sec. Okay. Uh, Clarabelle Cow was voiced by Olivia Allman, and this was her last time playing Clarabelle before her death in 1992. Oh. I don't know how often she actually played Clarabelle, because I don't. I didn't double check this. I don't think she was the original voice or anything because Clarabelle never really talked all that much. Yeah. And I don't know how much she actually cameoed in things like audio whatevers and um, like Wonderful World of Disney and stuff like that. I don't really know to what extent she had been voicing Clarabelle, but this was her last time doing it. Um, Weasel number two, Pig Driver, Peasant, and Man in Street. We're all voiced by Charlie Adler. So he said that line. Uh, yes, he he's a prolific voice actor. His some of his biggest roles, at least to me, are uh, Buster Bunny from Tiny Toon Adventures, so- both of the big heads from oh, Rocco's Modern Life, okay. Professor Monkey for a head from Earthworm Jim, <laughs> sure, and Ickis from Ah uh, Real Monsters. Oh wow! Yeah. And wait, what did he play in this? Weasel number two. He was like the main weasel voice that okay. I noticed. Yes. Like he, he it says weasel number voice. two, but yes, he, 
Like the one, uh, he was definitely the one that was in the scene talking to Pete he, about um, the the two or Mickey's or whatever, and like yeah, like he was the weasel voice I most noticed. I was just gonna, well, two things. One, where was Claire Bell Cow? I don't remember her. Uh, she was she was briefly in the uh, part where the the prince like sees <sighs> them trying to like take a chicken that she has. That's right, and her child and and the yeah, yeah, was yeah. stolen. Okay. What I was going to say is, do you remember from the Mickey shorts, you were terrified as a it's, child. It's Orphan's of, Benefit, the color remake. Yes. <laughs> you were crying. You were crying and you were afraid. Wait, and let's, was, wait, wait. Let's describe. I have no okay, idea so Orphan's on. Benefit is a cartoon that was originally in black and white, remade in color. As a kid, I only saw the color version because it was on a VHS. And it is basically like... Mickey and friends are putting on a show for a bunch of orphans that look like baby Mickey's. Okay. Um, Donald kind of recurs throughout the thing and has, he has kind of one of the, he like keeps trying to do the little Bo Peep and the orphans keep like, um, booing him. Or? Not boo. What's the better word? Heckling, sure. heckling him. Um, and he gets increasingly mad and he gets pulled off stage and that's kind with of a recurring thing. Yes. Sure. Of course with the big hook. <laughs> uh, but there is a particular segment that has Horace, Clarabelle and Goofy, and Clarabelle's just kind of dancing and kind of like going back and forth between Horace and Goofy. Like they're competing for her almost. And yeah, and at, it's like ballet. And yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. picking her up and spinning her around and yes. all of that. Do you want to, I well, assume you want yeah. to describe the... Well, and she'd run and leap into their arms. And again, they'd spin her around, you know, above their head and all that. But you just... Well, there was a particular part where I think, I think Goofy like threw her and then um, Horace like caught her and then like spun around and then would like and then was like spinning her above his head and had this like mean look on his face and for some reason it terrified me well, but even the minute that she would that dance number would come well, up because i knew at that went, point yeah you just got so upset you were so horace freaked me out in that cartoon thing. You were just it was crying. horace specifically i remember that much like it was something about horace in that version terrified me and you were and so i you just got to picture this little little Danica was so independent at watching. She knew how to put in the VHS tapes. She would watch, but she would insist on watching this. And I would try to say no. Because it's honey, a funny cartoon. This tape, <laughs> but she would insist on watching the, the parts with ha- Donald are so funny. And I would have to rescue her every time because then she'd start. Oh, and I'd have to come and get the tape and fast forward it. She could not do it herself. You're such a baby. She could not baby do it herself. You're such a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I literally I, really what has changed today <laughs> almost every day oh my goodness you just would insist yes yes look the parts with Donald and the kids heckling him are really funny Can you not fast forward yourself I, know, I guess wouldn't. not no, I don't no, know no you couldn't I had to do it I had to do it yes yes you're like honey we really don't need to and I'm like I want to see this yes one. Yes, yes. And uh, just FYI, uh, Danica's brother was terrified of E.T. and but oh, would yeah. insist on saying that, but was so upset about E.T. It's especially e. the part where, because I wasn't as freaked out as him, but especially the part where E.T.'s like dying and is all white oh, or whatever. Yes. Freak out so But again, much. yeah, I would insist on saying that. I could not dissuade you, but then I would be. So, yeah. I'll agree with Mom's so put upon. I know. She used to be like, are you going to cry? You're going to cry? No, we're not going to do this. Here's another thing. 
They can only watch it when you won't cry. <laughs> Maybe it's inherited. As you know, I was terrified of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Abominable Snowman. I was just terrified. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's go on to animation. Um, um, I forgot that it does a live action storybook intro. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that part's cute. I also thought it was a really nice transition between the book and the animation mm-hmm. where it has like the the castle or whatever mm-hmm. and it's the book version and then it transitions into the animated version yeah. like as there's a line about like f- the kingdom falling into darkness and trans- and going into animation it then is also very dark and scary looking all of a sudden, which wasn't how it looked like on the page. I thought that was really good animation. I love that combination. I like how they do that. Yeah, yeah. I liked the armor helmets being the first way that the Mickeys see each other. Yes. (laughs) Mickey actually knocks them all over. They fall, the helmets fall onto him and the prince's heads, and that's how they first see each other. That was was cute. That whole little scene of them, like, discovering each other is is cute and very well animated. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, I, I actually didn't take a whole lot of notes on the animation for this one, but I adore the animation in this one. Um, I've, again, I don't want to knock the Christmas Carol one. I like the animation for Prince and the Pauper better. I like the the way that the colors pop a little bit more, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. just yeah, and just the fluidity and stuff of it. Um, stuff like camera angles, lighting, um, just the. The expressions and stuff the characters will have. Pete's so intimidating the way that he's drawn and stuff. His facial features especially. Yeah, I don't know. I really... I think it was the scene where they meet each other. But yeah, like the body movements of the Mickeys when they meet each other. It just, yes, yeah, they're like mirroring good. each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, I love, I love the colors and the textures. I love this animation so much too. Because whether they were inside the house, like one of the scenes where... Uh, Prince Mickey is they're they're in a house. Uh they're in um Goofy's house and there a fire's going and Mickey just again the warmth uh but still having the color of their actual clothes, the movement of those, even the coloration of Pluto and even the color their colors in the snow, it's not drowned out by all of the white and the snow. It just just beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful animation. Yeah, I don't know. I I yeah, I really love the animation in this. Um, I guess that's probably part of why I didn't take as many notes on it is because I was just so like enraptured in watching it. What would this one have been like if it was live action? Um, I haven't actually seen a live action version of The Prince and the Pauper. Um, It'd be Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> um, I don't know, especially if it was, again, if it was supposed to be this short. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like sort of similar to what you said of how sitcoms and stuff will do Christmas Carol. I feel like sitcoms and cartoons have also done versions of the Prince and the Popper that is like the two people switching yeah. life roles. But I'm not sure that I've really seen them specifically do this story um, where it's definitely a prince and a pauper and there's a guy trying to like rule the kingdom, but from behind the scenes and all that, like, I don't, I don't see how you would in this short of an amount of time, if it was live action for a character like Pete, I don't think that real sense of of putting all of the characters in danger would be 
I don't know. I don't know if that would be real possible in a short amount of time if it wasn't animation because all the things they can do with colors and, and shadows and um, the expressions on Pete's face and even his voice, I just don't see that. It's not even just live. that. There is even more than I think the Christmas Carol one, a lot of actual just like plain things really cartoony and to like sell action and force and stuff like there's like two or three times that Pete like violently boots people out of places. And that's not something that you can do in live action, obviously, because that no one's going to believe you physically kicked a person a long distance. Like, but because it's a cartoon, you can do that, but still understand that the force with which you need to kick a cartoon person to send them that far has to be a lot. Like he, he kicks real hard. So like the, that the feeling of that isn't something that could be as directly done in live action. And I, I don't know that it would sell, I guess, the ferocity of, of Pete in, in that same way. I think, yeah, it, it wouldn't be a physical intimidation. It'd have to be more monetarily holding something, like threatening family. And force. Yeah, or yeah. Or like for, force the numbers of having all the guards yeah, on the side like, and stuff. And all I Pete, can... Like the, the, the guard himself couldn't be as physically intimidating as Pete can be just by virtue of not being a cartoon. Yeah. Could be physically intimidating, certainly, but not in that same way. All I was going to say is that the closest thing that I can equate it to is the live action Aladdin and Jafar just didn't have the, <laughs> it just was not threatening. It didn't have that sense of danger. And I don't think you could do that with Pete in live action. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's, this, I, is, this is an interesting one in that, like, would you be translating the characters themselves or they'd just be human people? Probably in which just case, human you could, people. You could, you could do it. Do you think that like, you could do it very well in a 25-minute thing rather than a full movie? I mean, probably. Like, there's stuff that you can do. Because um, it's not like there's anything about the setting itself no. that is, you know, like, fantastical. No, it's just it like an English <laughs> city. Uh, so... Um, like the discovery would be a bit different. Like you wouldn't have the helmets falling on each other. It'd probably be something more kooky. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe they're wearing silly hats or something. I I don't know. Like you could do, I think you could do it. There'd be much more translation of, yes, instead of a physical intimidation, maybe it's more, uh, about like oh we have your family and you better do or what. or it might have to if it was physical intimidation play up um the youngness of the pauper and the prince oh that like, would have be a them very be, interesting. have them be children compared oh, yeah. to a captain of the guard who's an adult yeah that's a very good that I, that would be a good way to have that physical intimidation there even if you can't as you can't necessarily show the actual promise of of the physical intimidation but just having someone who is so much bigger and you could probably play it up with camera angles. Yeah, no, that mm-hmm. would be a really good one. And it, it and that would I think enhance the story more, like really underscore the like a kid who just wants to be a kid and he can't. And and why he would and you know how like brash and, and you know naive it is to be like, it's fine, it's fine. We'll just switch and yeah. like it's good. Like yeah. I have my ring. Obviously they'd believe me. Uh, yeah, I think that would be actually pretty interesting. It could be. 
the what some of the main things that I love about this version though is that it is these Disney characters. Sure. So in that sense, a live action thing couldn't be that, but it could certainly be interesting in its own right. Yeah, no, you you lose a lot because like there's such a you know how these characters are like putting Goofy in a role, you know what he's going to be like. Yeah. Uh, you, you basically just have to have your own characters or base even more on the book. I don't know exactly to what extent, especially characters like Goofy and Donald. I don't know to what extent there is a proxy for that in yeah. the original thing. Well, um, and the only other thing I was going to say too is the extent to which because of angles and with animation, even them stealing all of the town's food and like literally wiping them bare, showing the overflowing carts and then panning out to where you can almost I mean you can see that I don't think that would have would be as effective in live action because I just don't think you could you could pile it up to the extent almost like you can do in the animation of the the Grinch who stole Christmas where you can have these huge mounds yeah. on the sled you just can't you, you it's just yeah no it doesn't definitely... look quite as effective It'd have to be more grounded if it were live action. It would, or that sort of thing would be. It, I would think would be. Uh, it, it would just be shown in a different way. Like thinking of like a fun way that you could try to do it though is to like have physical models rather than actual food, but like you know like fake food that looks really nice and also but like in a big heap that you can kind of like the core of it would all be one thing. But you could have a giant tower that even like leans or looks weird. That is like one f- big physical thing that looks like it's a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. If you wanted to go, if you wanted to push it a little more in a cartoony realm while still being live action. Yeah. No, physically you could do that. I'm sure there's tons of really great prop masters and stuff yeah. that could do something. It's like, what vision are you going for? Yeah. If you want it to be more cartoony, yes, then like this comical pile of food makes sense. If you want it to be more grounded, then you're taking something else. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there's a way that you can do it, but like a direct translation like that would be tough. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after again. How's it hold up? I don't have any specific notes here. I guess the, probably the biggest thing, um, especially because unlike in Christmas Carol, he's so overtly a villain Pete's interpretate like a whole depiction can certainly be considered problematic because he's the biggest dude in the cast and he is a lot of times not too much really in this his largeness is used as like a comedic cudgel against him yeah and this it's more used to intimidate intimidate um but we still it, it's still I can see how people could have a problem with this um and in its depiction of like, the main bad guy is the only one that's really overweight, you know? Um, that's just a thing with Pete being used as the main villain in things, is that none of the heroes he's up against are ever big like that. So it's just sort of an inherent demonization of people that size. Yeah. But that's about the only thing that really comes to mind for me. Um, yeah, and I didn't interpret it as fat phobic or anything because again i i'm so familiar with the character of pete yeah and, it's just sort of a as, as thing of pete himself yeah. like as he appears on things um, yeah like they didn't have him like in, oh my god like the king in the last one just eating all the time or something gosh yeah like, yeah and gulliver's travels right. yeah jeez <laughs> right um though they did have the one scene where he's talking to the guard person or whatever and he's like drinking a bunch of beer or something and like eating so there's a that scene does kind of like he has 
wealth and food around him. And so part of the reason he's a villain is because he's stealing everyone else's food and part, and therefore you could insinuate part of the reason he's so big is because he gets to eat everyone's food. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it wasn't like you said, like a cudgel and it wasn't something like they're just like, keep showing he's like pulling food out of his coat. That's just a characterization of like, he doesn't need to do this. He's just a very greedy, bad dude. Yeah. Let's go on to our spoiler alert. Skip to. Um, Of course, we're just talking about Prince and Popper here because we all know Mickey's Christmas Carol or Christmas Carol in general. Um, I put that's rough having to be there while someone else's dad dies. And also the prince not getting to see his dad die. Both of those scenes, I think, were quite well done yeah it's like see someone's dying dad awkward (laughs) i i like that the the you never really actually get to see the dad and in fact the only time that you see him move in animated form at all is his shadow that appears to like hold mickey's hand uh, the shadow of his hand appears to hold the shadow of mickey's hand or whatever Mm -hmm. um and then the way that the candle extinguished representing his life extinguishing very nice yes little thing there and then yeah then we go to um the prince who's at goofy's place and he asks a passing dude like hey why are the bells ringing and he's like the king died and then just kind of you can like feel the weight instantly hit the prince he doesn't really cry or anything but you just immediately feel probably partially because he's known as dad sick for a long time yeah but just kind of that crushing weight of both i missed it happening and like things are going to get real now. Like if, if Pete's going to do anything, it's going to be now. And even if he doesn't like now, I have a whole bunch of responsibility that I have to take on. And he doesn't say any of that, but you can see it kind of in his face. And then he kind of slumps over and sits in front of the fireplace. And you can just kind of see he has the weight of the world on his shoulders as he's sitting there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Th- I think both of those scenes were very well done. Yeah, we talked about, again, this really, the emotional beats working, and this was a perfect example, because I really was emotionally involved and just felt that just sadness. and and, It's certainly not, like, quite emotional enough to, like, make you sob or anything or to to shed a tear, but you you feel that weight, you know? You feel that this is important in a way that in the Christmas Carol, like the the scene of them breaking up i felt nothing mm. um the scene with uh bob cratchit's family i felt almost nothing like right. and in here i felt the emotion of yeah. those and they even did a great job with goofy's character uh being perceptive and cooking or, or chattering and then all of a sudden turning around and going whoa and, and realizing something was wrong with who still at the time he thought was mickey until um, he's he's he puts uh, on this ring. The, well it's not just the ring the prince is saying something about like like basically talking about how, like all the corruption and stuff that he's seen since he's been out here and like he's he's gonna need to take steps to write that and that's kind of how goofy like it's like mickey wouldn't really be talking about this stuff and that's how he kind of realizes yeah um i also didn't mention it but the 
after the king dies and then it goes to the prince, there's like a camera shift from the castle down below. And the way that the snow looks as the camera moves is really neat. Like it felt, it felt almost 3d because as the camera shifted, the, the snow particle effects would kind of shift where they were as if, yeah, I don't know. It was really nice. I really liked how that was done. It was. Why did Donald get thrown in prison? They don't like him. What did he do? Probably like quacking at them to <laughs> do something. Know. And they're like, get wrecked. Yeah, yeah. We never we- liked this guy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe it was one of their preemptive strikes of, of getting anyone who, close, yeah, who knows? Know, in power. Yeah. And then I, I love, of course, his, his little, we're saved, we're saved. Wait, you're in here too. We're due. <laughs> I know. And they're odd. And again, you know, just so cute and so cartoony is they're in complete darkness, but you just see their eyes. Yes. And you can even, because of the shape of their eyes and the expression with their eyes. Yeah. It's just so cute. I think this was the scene where they did a really cool lighting thing with Pete's uh, cigarette or mm. cigar, like smoke and stuff. Like that was really effective. I think it might've been in the dark. When he was then, like, telling Mickey, here's what you're gonna do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he shows, like, Pluto all, like, tied up. Okay, it was that one, yeah. As the implied threat. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think, because I think it was just, I think Mickey was just in the hallway in darkness, and then he, like, picks Mickey up and, like, lights his thing, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yes, like, that was where I mentioned the animation underscoring his, Intimidation factor. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I believe we did, in a time, I think we took time to talk about the music and, and the sound, but I, so again, good. everything from the bells to, I don't remember if the if you could hear the fire, but then that transition to whatever Goofy was, when, when the prince asks, you know, why the bell's ringing and then comes inside, whatever it was that, that Goofy was doing, just all of that worked so well. The sounds, yeah. the visuals. Um, I, I liked... Goofy appearing as the executioner or whatever and accidentally like taking out the one guard that's there. Uh, Why is there a door to nowhere? That's super dangerous. That was was so I think the action of that scene is all really good though. Like I I was like, "Mm, yes, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy together getting getting into hijinks as they're racing down the hall as everyone's throwing weapons at them. Uh And then I... It's ridiculous that there's a door on a tower that literally just opens out into uh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it feels kind of scary and goofy and over the top as it happens. Like the way that Goofy's thing is caught on the door because of one of the knives that's thrown. The door swings open. Our heroes are all like holding on to Goofy, trying not to fall as then all of the guards come out like... Just the the quickness and everything with which that happens is, it's great. Very well paced and drawn and everything. At which point did we hear the Goofy yell? The Goofy yell actually happened twice in this one, but the first time was much more understated. The first time was like when he was on the back of a cart or something as it was going away and you couldn't hear it very clearly. But the second time was when they come to attack in Goofy's house and they throw all their weapons and one catches Goofy's and pulls him out through the window. And his underwear. Yeah. And his underwear, which of course had the red heart. Yeah. (laughs) That was, I think there were three times. No, I fibbed. It was once in Christmas Carol with, with the little uh, mole guy. Yes. And then there were two here. Goofy he, and later Pete. Yeah, and yes. Goofy, yeah. yeah. So the second Goofy yell was a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. I was fine with it. But also that was one of my formative childhood Goofy yell moments. Uh, like I hadn't 
seen as many things that had a goofy yell in it at that point. Uh So that was like, that's one that just is like, ah, yes, I remember this particular goofy yell moment. How can you forget? (laughs) A little too long. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love, so the ending scene is very fun. Um, It's quick, but it's very fun. And I like kind of the the difference between the fights that are going on, like the fight with the Prince and Pete is actually pretty intimidating. And like, you're, you're like, Oh, I hope he's going to be okay for, for that thing. Cause Pete's blows are so like powerful and scary and everything. And he's so big and intimidating. But then while that's happening, Goofy and Donald are just like straight up Looney Tunes antics over here with all of the guards. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, I enjoy all that whole scene and the way that it cuts between Mickey and Pete and then Donald, Goofy, and Pluto just getting up to things, just doing a whole bunch of things. Like, someone throws a knife that cuts Pluto loose, so then he goes and bites Pete. It was an and, arrow. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goofy fires Donald as an arrow, just a whole bunch of stuff. Like you said, Donald's really put upon in this whole scene, (laughs) which is, that's one of the ways that works best for comedic stuff with Donald. So that's cool. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's a fun action scene, but also like a fun comedic cartoony scene. Yeah, yeah, because the little comedic buildup was like Mickey trying not to get crowned. Oh, yeah, Just yes. like all that. I loved that. I loved yeah, like, just... no one be after you. Not after you. Like, who you need to be? <laughs> that's maybe my whole, that's maybe my favorite part is that whole like, the tense, the tense but silly uh, cutting between like the the trying to break them out of prison and all the stuff that goes wrong there while Mickey's like, no, you sit. And he's like, no, you sit. And then he's like in the chair and he's like dodging the crown. Like, yes, it's it's so great. Funny. The timing and pacing of it is and, I, and whatever that guy's line is, you're a wily little thing or something. <laughs> I don't know, just so cute, but yeah. It's very good. Um, anything else here in the spoiler section? I don't think so. Did you did you like um, Mickey holding out the singing note awkwardly long? Yes, yeah, yeah, that <laughs> well, was so cute. Yeah. No, it was a good callback to the first time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's kind of interesting where it's like I am the lead, so I sing the long note. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh wait, I'm just a little popper guy. Like, <laughs> I'll be quiet. Yeah, yeah, it's cute. All right, done with spoilers. Now let's move on to our favorites and least favorites. This will be for both. Of them, um, since it's just two things, like it's not favorite out of either. These are two separate things that we'll we will be rating separately too. We to watch them together, but they're not grouped together. So wait, it's one favorite. So a favorite from each. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So least favorite scene from each of them. Least favorite from Christmas was the Daisy and Scrooge breaking up. Same. It just. it fell so flat. It did, and I'm just, like, so used to crying. Yeah. That it's like, oh, well, he's It's like, just, I just felt nothing. He's just a jerk. Like, he's not a guy that was misguided. And it just makes you wonder path. why she was even with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you have no reason to like him. <laughs> yeah. For the other one, again, it's like, I think that I need this. And, again, he's feels more misguided. This yeah. He's like, rude dude. Yeah, no, agreed. Because just the emotion of that fell so flat. I agree. That's my least favorite. Yeah, and I was just trying to think. I, I wasn't that thrilled with the rendition of Christmas Past with Jiminy Cricket, but I would agree that the present with, that included with... Um, that with, wasn't the present, that was the past. Well, but then where the breakup scene happened in the 
That was still in the past. Oh, that was still in the past. But Jiminy yeah. was there and everything. Oh, okay. Well, then no wonder. That's okay, then past. yeah, that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely my least favorite scene. All right. Uh, least so favorite the, scene for Prince and the Popper. Maybe the eating scene with Pete. Um, uh, yeah, sure. And and the weasel. Sure, I'll go with that too. Because um, I also didn't. Like, it was kind of fun animation-wise, but I didn't particularly love, like, how he's drinking, and then he, like, closes his mouth and moves his head, but the stuff still pours and it gets all over his head. I was kind of like, that's gross. That's going to be all sticky. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'll put that as my least favorite, because it's hard for me to choose a least favorite. I really love this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really. You have anything different, babe? For me. I'm not sure. There's some parts I didn't like, but the scenes were strong overall. Like the goofy yell was being too much. But you liked the overall scene. Yeah, like that was important. Uh, maybe, maybe the the thing where the prince is trying to like get the food back. Give giving it back or like no when he's trying to get it back from the guards of the first and like with the chicken. Oh, sure, sure, sure. The yeah, scene with Clarabelle. Yeah, I guess. It's hard to say. Like, there's nothing that was the worst thing in the world, but yeah, there were some that just weren't as strong as others. Fair. What was your favorite scene in Christmas Carol? Uh, for me, it's it's probably definitely the uh, ghost of Christmas yet to come or whatever yeah. um, with, with Pete and everything. Like, it's really over the top how he's like gonna fall into the the pit of hell or whatever but i mean it's good like i i enjoy that part a lot and that made me feel really terrified as a kid uh, with pete just laughing at him and everything so yeah i think that's my favorite mine is the is scrooge coming into his house and the shadow play and he interacting with goofy i just love i just love the whole thing on the stairs then him coming in the door you know locking all the locks jumping into his chair all of that then with yeah with marley with goofy coming and marley tripping over the cane yeah i like that one too especially the stuff with goofy being more corporeal but still a ghost and like Mm -hmm. hitting tripping over and stuff and that was a good goofy yell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what was your favorite scene in Prince and the Popper? If it's spoilers, be vague. It's probably the end. I think action it's action stuff. Yeah, basically the whole end is great for me. Like, yeah. Um, I, I actually, for me, I'm just going to say, because it just brought back so many memories, was the opening scene and them singing, uh, you know, Fit to be a King. or, or I, put, I just put it as a, Like a King. Like I don't a know king. what the title yeah, is. Like a yeah, King, but like them king. And, and doing and creating all the things with the snow and just their their little No, that's fair. That's a really cute scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I definitely have to, to go with the end. Just, just all of it. <laughs> it's just great. Um, who was your least favorite character in Christmas Carol? And you can't pick anybody who just cameoed and did nothing. Like, you have someone with a voice, please. Uh, maybe Daisy. Not that I don't like Daisy, even though I don't even know her character name, because I don't really know her, because she wasn't really made to do much. It wasn't impactful. Mm, yeah i love daisy i'm between her and jiminy cricket but yeah i don't know if i necessarily dislike daisy so much as i dislike that scene like i mean i mean daisy in this um but i mean yeah the one scene where she really gets to talk and do anything is bad so i guess in that sense yeah i guess daisy 
Yeah, I'm just trying to rack my brain. I um, think I would have to echo that because it's one of the most impactful scenes in Muppet Christmas Carol that I just love so much when she's singing and so is so is Scrooge. So yeah, I think I would. I'm just gonna have to echo. I I, I agree, Daisy. Who was your um, least favorite character in Prince and the Popper? They're all like enjoyable. They're all enough. good. <laughs> like yeah, like even um, the like the owl who's coronated. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Even there's an owl guy who appears late in the film. Yeah, even the owl guy. Even I mean, I guess if I have to choose someone, I'm gonna go ahead and throw Horace under the bus. But I don't dislike his character. That's the thing. Like he's no, I love his voice I, too much. I love dude. his snooty voice. I love it too much. I think if I have to pick a least favorite, I'm gonna go with him. But just by virtue of the fact that I love everyone, or maybe Pluto. But does Pluto count as enough of a character? I Pluto think so. does do stuff. Yeah, no, like Pluto's he knows. prominent. Yeah, like he but knows. I don't dislike like, Pluto's good. I love. I'm, I'm going to have to pick Donald because Donald's never Whoa. one of my favorites. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Coming at me with the Donald hate. Wow. Because he's just too grumpy and he's just too... He's so wow. good in this movie, Mom. I know, actually, he, he is. He is very good. But he's really life. good in the scene. Like, he's... You were, he's, we're introduced to him being harassed and <laughs> like, true. and that him being true. all grumpy rightfully because he's being harassed. And then the one time that he tries to do something, he gets blamed for it and has to leave. <laughs> and then true. after he that, was, he was pretty innocent. Then after in that, it. he's like just snickering, laughing as bad things happen to Mickey oh. because he thinks it's the prince who he has rightful reason to be grumpy. I may at. have to jump ship. Then- I think I'm going to say a wee. I'm going to say the weasel guy. Because wow, he I just, love the weasels too. I like too. his voice. I do. I know. Is it, is it Pluto or is it or is it Horace? They're all pretty good. I, love, I don't. I yeah. love. I love Horace's voice too. Much. Oh no! Actually, you're right. I'm gonna throw Clarabelle under the bus. Clarabelle's my I least know. favorite. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to hate on the voice actress who played her. I didn't super love the interpretation of her voice. Um, uh. Not super about it. I guess maybe I'm just attached to how she sounds in like the Three Musketeers one in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I didn't. I didn't hate it. Um, but yeah, I guess. Sure, I'll throw Clarabelle under the bus just because I, I need like to pick Horace. someone. I I'm do like s- Horace. I love Horace. I love his voice. I'm just gonna stick with the weasel because he, the weasel weasels were so rotten. I would almost pick Pete, but he was a really good villain, Pete so was, I'm like, not such gonna a good pick. Villain. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna say the weasel. So I cannot get behind that because the weasels are great in this too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I so many of uh, of the weasel lines, like just the way the way that the weasels sound in this is the way that the weasels sound in my head, even if they don't. <laughs> always necessarily sound just like this i just love them it's just a pack of bad guys it's yeah really good yeah they, they just, need to be utilized i don't feel like they've been used I much mean, since this well yeah they were used a bunch in roger rabbit, roger rabbit and in this so roger rabbit was like two years before this oh they were gosh. used a bunch there they were used a bunch here i don't think they've been used much since then and that's a shame because they're great they're great <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna throw clarabelle under the bus but i don't even hate clarabelle on this Same i just place. have to pick someone um, she was barely a character, so that's really almost cheating. Who is your favorite character in Christmas Carol? I think Mickey Bob Cratchit was pretty good. Yeah, I was just about to say Mickey too, just because I he's just such a cutie, and I think he played played his part really well. Yeah, but he's just a sweetheart. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Scrooge. I mean, he's the main character and he's literally Scrooge McDuck. So like <laughs> he is a good Scrooge. There are issues in casting Todd. Cast- no, there, <laughs> there are issues in this movie with how effective the emotional beats for his character are, but like Scrooge himself is, is good in this. I, I think I'll hand it to Scrooge. He carries the film cause he's Scrooge. So yeah, I'll give it to him. Um, who is your favorite character in Prince and the Popper? Again, for me, is I think it's going to be Mickey. I think Pete was pretty, pretty rad. I think it's Pete for me. And Mickey's up there, don't get me wrong, but also they're all, like, I love Mickey, Goofy, and Donald in this. Um, which is why I was so offended that you tried to throw Donald under the bus briefly. <laughs> um, Pluto's fine, but he's not way up there. Um, yeah, I love Pete in this movie. This is, like one of the most intimidating renditions of Pete for me. And I love that about him. Well, and, and I'm almost never going to pick I know. A, a villain unless it's Tim Curry, like playing I know, Long, I know. John Silver because he's incredible. I know. I know. <laughs> but no, for me, I, yeah, I think it's Pete. Neither of these were a musical, um, but there were, there was like one song in each of them. Would a second song I would say like in a, Popper where they had a Captain Pete song that was briefly sung by the Weasels. They did briefly have that. You're right. Same. Of the three songs in these two <laughs> movies, just yeah. What, what do you? What, which one did you like the best? Like a King for me. Like yeah, I mean, I think it's the Like a King one is the cutest for me. What was the first song? The one that we're also we're not just talking Prince sure. of the Popper. We're also talking Christmas Carol, and it had it was the same song in the beginning and a little bit at the end. But it's it's that really like Merry it. Christmas one or whatever. I don't know. It's it's nice enough, but I like the Like a King one. If Tim Curry was in. Valerie didn't say say anything. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the king is really the only one that I think I would have liked to hear more of the Captain Pete. Fair. (laughs) Diddy. If Tim Curry played a character in these, who? And for both movies. Pick someone for Christmas. So the Christmas Carol first. If Tim Curry were in there, who? If you say Scrooge Mom, I'll fight you. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say Scrooge. Okay, thank Uh, you. Who talked? Did Did the toad talk? No. Not at all. Hmm. Does he have to be like one of the one-off? Does, he doesn't be... have to be, but also it'd be really weird if he was doing one of the main Mickey Mouse characters. Well, I'll tell you what. I would rather, I would would have loved to have him be the ghost of Christmas present. Because I think he could have just had a great laugh and and all of that. I but, guess. Um, it'd be really weird for me to see Willie that like that. But also, yeah. most people don't know who Willie is. So if he sounded like Tim Curry, I don't think they'd blink an eye. Well, my point would be another character. Like, I wouldn't want him to be oh, okay. to you play the part want of him Willie. To be Willie. You know, just like, or I wouldn't have minded him being um, in Jiminy Cricket's uh, part. But, but not, as a not, different. Yeah, as a different I character. I get you, I get you. But to me, it's Christmas present because he could have just, he has such a, a powerful voice, yeah. you know, laughing or singing or something. He yeah, could have been he's effective. Yeah, so big that it mm-hmm. would have, yeah, yeah. Being, being kind of that presence would have been good. Yeah. Um, other characters, like, I don't know any of the... Uh, I mean, I just don't know like, that Tim Curry fits in this one, really. I know, because... The, yeah. No, yeah, that would have been so weird if he was either of those guys. Yeah. I mean, Ratty and Mole. Yeah. There's not otter. an otter. Why <laughs> it's otter? fun. It's fun. Mole. He can be um, the very brief sound clip from the Big Bad Wolf at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, like. No, I lot. mean, he just doesn't really fit in this one. Yeah. Honestly, I think we're probably going to run into a similar problem with Prince and the Popper. I had one, the yeah. owl. 
Okay, yeah. Mm. Okay, sure. Yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah, that was one of the only, like, original characters. Why not? Yeah, yeah. that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. Alternatively, one of the weasels. <laughs> There's just one weasel who sounds like Tim Curry. You always know it's him, because he's just like, why does this... Why does this Why one weasel Curry sound here? like Tim Curry? <laughs> Might as well be like, uh, one of these is Mark Hamill, one of these is Tim Curry. <laughs> Sounds good, yeah, yeah. No, I but I think, I, I can get behind the owl. Who was it? The, who vo- Let me see who voiced the owl. Yeah, I think it was I, one yeah. of the people who was voicing other people. And already. I think it's a perfect choice because I'm not familiar enough with that owl character. I don't know what else he's on. I don't think he's in anything else. But I have a else. voice attached to it. Yeah. So, and... Oh, you want to know... The king and the archbishop, that's who the owl is, were both played by the same person. Want to know who it was? Sure. Frank Welker. Of course. Oh. It was Frank Welker again. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, what I was going to say is I think the Tim Curry, the quality of his voice and, and just his acting style, he could have played a very snooty, pompous person. I think his, oh, yeah. that oh, would have well, been very... That might lead to uh, Horace. That's true. Oh. I could be okay, because yeah. Horace, like... Doesn't yeah. really have a well established voice. No, he was. This, I could see he was like oh. teacher guy. You know, yeah. the more I think about that, I yeah. can kind of really get behind that. Yeah, he could really Me sell too. the snootiness. Yeah, because I liked his yeah. character. Yeah, no, I mean Bill Farmer did a good job with him. Like, it's not like a dump on D- Bill Farmer, but also Horace doesn't have a clearly established voice. So yeah, sure. Yeah, I great. That'd be really fun. I like. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate them. Um, I think it's still safe to say that we all recommend both of these. Yes. Um, Yeah. So just what would you rate each of them? Uh, Let's see. I think I would rate the Christmas Carol like they were solid. But Christmas Carol, you know, had the, the problem of not having enough time to develop. Uh, So I'm going to go with a 3.2 3.2 for that one. Uh, Prince and the Popper, solid, entertaining. Uh, some of the comedy was a little, like some things maybe were a little too long, but overall strong. So I'm going to go with a 3.4. All right. All right. Just throw those out there. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. What you thinking, um, Mom? I would say that for, for Christmas Carol, I would say 3.0. Because of the problems that Valerie alluded to, uh, just not again. I love that storyline so much. I uh, love my Muppet Christmas Carol so much, but again, I just wasn't attached to any of the characters. Again, the animation, everything beautiful. So in that sense, and I feel like it was a really good use. They they did the best they could in the time they had, but again, the the story to me a compelling story is one of my driving forces in all of these podcasts. So that was really cut short. So 3.0. And then for Prince and the Pauper, I actually was going to go 4.0 because I think, again, just a really cute rendition. I haven't really seen other ones, but this sticks. When I think of Prince and the Pauper, I think of this. Loved the music. Loved, loved um, the, just, just love the emotional beats too. Uh, So yeah, I really enjoyed it. So 4.0. Nice. Okay, I am going to go for Christmas Carol. I'll just go ahead and I'll give it a 3.25. Um, I'll basically agree with Valerie. I just do the point two point five five point zero. Sure. <laughs> or, anyways. 0.25 increments. 
Yes. Um, so yeah, I think I'll go with that. Um, yeah, like I think it's a, I think it's a competent little film, but it's certainly, there are certainly stronger versions of this. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cute little animated version of Christmas Carol. Prince and the Popper. I think I'm going to go with four also, mom. I really, and I'm gonna, I'm, I will freely admit that nostalgia bias is is large on this one. <laughs> I Same here, I actually, actually watched both of these a lot, but I definitely I mean I mostly watched the Christmas Carol one around Christmas. The Prince of the Popper one I can watch anytime. It fits decently here in our Christmas stuff because there's, there's snow. There's snow. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I watched it anytime and so I watched it a lot. And so I love it very much. But I think it's a really cute cartoon and I feel like it's underrated. Uh, like I don't see people talk about it as much as I feel like they should. So yeah, it's great. I'm going to give it a 4.0. And I just have so many wonderful memories of you getting that tape and I can just see the cover too. And it was so worn <laughs> because you watched it so many times, but it was just cute. I, I really like it. Um, all right. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for being here for the first episode of our. Oh gosh. I don't know. We got, uh, uh, maybe festival. That's probably something else. Uh, ha, I don't know. <laughs> Christmas. Hollapalooza. Hollapalooza. Holly who? Christmas. Well, Holly kind of cute. Uh, I don't want to go Christmas. I want to keep it holiday Holly, so that we can generic. accept everyone. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Holiganza. Any- Holiganza. Holiganza. is pretty Holiganza. nice. Mom, co- Mom coming in at the clutch. Thank Very you. Very nice. All right. So, yes, thank you for uh, listening to this, Our the first episode of our uh, 2020 Holiganza. Yes, I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> um, next time, we will be watching a- another group of classic animated cartoons having an, a Christmas adventure though they're a little more recently classic let's say um, and one of them's gonna make a wish <laughs> um, so until next time thank you all so much for listening thank and you. have happy holidays yes I know it you. could might be hard because this year whew, but you know yes. have as nice a time as you can during this time of and, year and, and snuggle with with people that, that are safe to be around and just stay in and just watch great things like this yes. yeah if you have uh, Disney yes. Plus both of these are on there so they're real easy to access they're also I think on YouTube if you want to like buy or rent them YouTube and maybe even Amazon but definitely on YouTube because I think I have Prince on the Popper that I bought on YouTube yeah. Um, yeah so they are easy to access even if you don't have Disney Plus so yeah check them out I I recommend both, but I especially recommend Prince and the Popper. Check yes. out our other holiday episodes if you want to know what else to watch. Yes, we yes. have two more coming up before we get to the end of the year. And we got last year's. Oh, yes, and we do have last yes. year's, and which is... Yes, and please do yourself a favor, watch How Muppet. many episodes did we do? We did Muppet Christmas Carol. Klaus and Muppet yes. Christmas Carol. Oh, yes, yes. Klaus. Great oh, ones Klaus last is year. so good. Great ones, you all. So, again... Well, oh, what was the one that you didn't think was as great? Um, the Russian one. Oh, oh Night Before that Christmas. Was, that was... That watch was that. <laughs> Valerie loved that one. That watch one was it. interesting. That um, was no, the, Yeah, we have the holiday episodes from last time. We didn't have uh, our name 
for for last year. Holiganza. Holiganza. We didn't have Holiganza as our name last year, but this year, ho- Holiganza 2020, that yes. was Holiganza 2019, even though we didn't officially label it. So. Yes, and again, you have to do yourself a favor. Watch Muppet Christmas Carol. It's it. so awesome. Mom loves that movie, and for good, for good reason. reason. It's awesome. great. It's awesome. It is, bar none, my favorite version of Christmas Carol, and I've seen a lot. Yes. Um, but anyways, yes, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Stay yes. safe. And until next time. We love you. Bye. 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 This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 279 0566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I N C O M P E T E C H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. I live to serve. Ayomara, sucker! <laughs> Run for it, boy!